0: All right, let's go. Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 67. In the heat of Lisbon, That's a Celtic reference for our Rangers fans out there. Uh, European Cup Champions 1967 defeating Inter. Get that up, yeah. Uh, Premier League race has been run and won. Finally, it's a long season, the Premier League season, 38 games. We've reached the end. City have lifted the trophy. Liverpool, a very unlucky second. Syria has also been run and won. Milan getting their first title in 11, 11 years. 11 years. Can you believe it? The Europa League final, that's came and gone as well. Conference and Champions League final still to come. We're going to cover it all. Tommy's on the other end of the line, as per usual, and very happy. Uh, Rafinha loving Tommy on the other end. How you doing, man? Ooh
1: elated, elated. I'm so excited up until the point that Rafinha is stolen by those those dirty bastards, Barcelona, who are currently infiltrating our country right now. We can,
0: uh, yeah, we'll get to the Leeds chat in a bit because the relegation battle that we've speculated over for weeks has finally ended. Um, let's start with the big one, though, because the two best teams in, in the country, Uh, they didn't go go toe-to-toe but they've kind of been toe-to-toe on the table the whole way no one has been close to them Liverpool with another pretty standard solid performance at Anfield winning Man City not as solid, not as standard for them but still just showing their quality doing what they had to do getting it done in the end taking out a league title by one singular point Uh, where do you want to start with these two?
1: The skin of their teeth, some would say. Um, these are the two best Premier League teams ever, right? This is the best era of Premier League football, surely.
0: If it, it feels that way, uh, the you know, especially if you look at it the way we look at it, which is through uh, you know not necessarily just results, but your style too. And these two teams play an unreal style of football.
1: Um, because you like it's fun to look back on the menu, Arsenal or even the early Liverpool Chelsea's um, because you, you look at it with that nice nostalgia. It's in that, it's in that filter, that yellow filter of, of good times, great memories. Yeah. You only remember the good stuff, Uh, but this, like all of it, this title race, I kind of cast, casted it off a couple of weeks ago. Said that everyone, that just both of them would win all their games, get to the end of the season. And it'll be quite uneventful. Instead, we get goal alerts of Villa going two 0 up. in the second half of all times, Pep going nuts on the sidelines, looking more like Mancini than himself. Yeah. And you just wonder, are they actually going to throw all of this away an entire season down to the last day? And like you said, that's the credit to Liverpool there. So they, 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 get the, they get the Tottenham trophy of pushing them all the way.
0: Yeah, that's that's harsh. <laughs> that's so harsh. Um, no, well, I, Tot- Tottenham
1: were really good that season.
0: <laughs> I spoke to a lot of... Uh, Everyone keeps forgetting Arsenal were runner-up that year. Mm. Why does everyone okay, always yeah, say
1: Tottenham? I know. It's because that's what they were doing when they won with three games to go and you thought, oh, oh my God, they might even do it. But no. Yeah.
0: Oh, Arsenal were runner-up that year and they beat Leicester twice. So everyone shove it. Um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I was talking to lots of Liverpool fans on Sunday and all of them said the same stuff, you know. Oh, Aston Villa, if they could get the result with, uh, you know. Coutinho scores and Gerard wins. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, Coutinho did score and they were 2-0 <laughs> up and uh, uh, poor old Stevie slipped again.
1: The amount of people I had to uh, just shake my hand out like, no, shut up. It's not going to happen. You'd be lucky if they get a point out of the game. And like, we
0: were on the verge.
1: Yeah, it was right. And you know what the, the irony of it, I like that you said Gerard slipped it again because maybe he did because he took Coutinho off almost immediately after... He scored that second goal, yep. and that is what really led to the six minutes of madness from City because they lost their creative outlet, they lost their attacking thrust. He kind of sat in, let them come at Villa, and they <laughs> they destroyed them. <laughs>
0: they uh, they like, really they really QPR it, didn't they?
1: Mm. Oh Jesus, Wayne Rooney's got more conspiracies. This will be Gerard's conspiracy now.
0: The um, I I was having flashbacks to that. QPR game where with the Aguero moment and um you know that shot they show of uh, they show that guy in the crowd and he's smashing his scarf against the chair in front of him and his his eyes are red and he's like there's yeah. people all around him biting their nails and this guy's in tears and he's just ropeable like how could this happen we're so close we're gonna blow it against QPR and then they turn around they turn it around here the other I think what's also interesting is I keep forgetting that um Liverpool didn't even actually go ahead until like the 84th minute in their game.
1: Yeah, that's true. At no time was Liverpool ever on top during the final day. And it was like, you can compare the Aguero and the Gundogan moments now maybe. But I thought it was funny that um, when Salah scored to put Liverpool ahead, he thought he had his own (laughs) Aguero moment. And there's this great (laughs) photo of him in the crowd and everyone in the crowd is gesturing at him that city are leading 3-2 yeah. and he walks away from celebration like oh you like kidding me.
0: Well you you wouldn't believe it would you like nah. Professional side like Villa Villa aren't terrible. They play decent football. They've got a squad that we've talked up a fair bit this season with a lot mm. of interesting players and to blow that 2-0 lead over the course of 12 minutes. Um, yeah, how how good is final day drama?
1: It is and, and Villa, you know, they let them off the hook a little bit. Uh, Watkins missed a couple of good ones, um, but after Coutinho scores, yeah, you think you are about to see the final day drama at its absolute best. And there was there was drama everywhere because there was so much to play for on the final day. Yeah, we, there's been a few seasons in recent memory where it hasn't really been as eventful as this, and to have them all bubbling along at the same time, it was hard to keep your attention focused on any one thing. Um, I think, you know, people in the crowd spent more time on their phone than watching the game.
0: Um, If I could take a moment, I'd like to talk about Ilkay Gundogan for a sec. I feel like I might've done this on this pod before, but uh, this is a guy I've always rated watching him come through at Dortmund. He was, he was excellent. He was in that Dortmund side that, um, you know, was winning under Klopp. Uh, reached the Champions League final. Was he still there? I believe he was there then. He still was there. Um, the guy's class, he ended up with a shocking back injury uh, that kept him out of professional football for a long time. And he came back massively overweight and people had written him off. He had so much work to do and Pep saw a player in him. It was a Pep. Pep would have signed him. Yep. And... He saw a player in him, took him over, and he's, you know, people were like, oh, you know, is he really is he really a world-class midfielder that fits in with the likes of, you know, all these other guys at City, David Silvers and co. But he certainly is, and he's, he's proving it. And I just think uh, that deserves a bit of a mention because that is a wild ride for a player to go on to be pretty much down and out of professional football with the weight that he gained and the issues with his back. He couldn't even... He wasn't even able to get up and like go for walks. And he's come all the way back and um, scores a double on the final day
1: to win the league. That's a great story. That is. um, And him being, I think he was actually Pep's first signing as a manager. So for him to get him over the line, there's like a really lovely kind of symmetry to that. Um, There was a little bit of that throughout um, the game and all the the kind of like landmarks that it, it heralded in. Like it was 10 years since, the 3-2 Aguero moment. And it was the 10th time Pep has won a championship uh, in the last 13 years now as well. And so just wonder, was it meant to be? It was the stars were written and he was great when he came on, Gundwan. He was bloody great. He sparked that. That was a great substitution. And, you know, the City fans are crying out for Grealish and you do that and it, it instigates the, the title winning moment. That is another Pep masterclass.
0: Yeah, brilliant footballer. Uh, I guess uh, we we'll, we don't really need to do more Liverpool. We'll touch on them a bit later when we talk about the Champions League final because they've still got uh, they've still got a pretty big fish to put in their pan and fry, for lack of a better mm. metaphor.
1: Mm, good cooking metaphor. No, that's spoken like a man that hasn't had dinner yet.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, shall we do the relegation? I don't know if you want to go over any of the other games as. Lots of mid-table crap that no one really cares about this week, I guess. You know, Tottenham got the job done fairly easy and so did Arsenal. So they both stay where they were. Um, I guess United dropped to Palace giving West Ham a sniff, but West Ham couldn't take advantage. I don't know if you want to talk about any of those.
1: <laughs> no, not really. Just uh, maybe Son. Sonny ended up getting joint top goal scorer in the Premier League this season. He scored a fucking banger against Norwich as well. Yes, it's Norwich, but bloody great goal. At that point, he was thinking, oh, damn, I've got this award outright. Um, He's the first player to win it since Luis Suarez in 13-14 without scoring a penalty, which I think automatically should give you the golden boot. It shouldn't be shared. That's fair. I'll take that, yeah. Don't count penalties if it's tied. Yeah, exactly. That's your tiebreaker, or make them take penalties (laughs) as some kind of obscure punishment for the guy that doesn't. Shootout. (laughs) Well, like one of some
0: of the weird shit they do on the um, I don't know if you ever the NHL All Star Break, the ice hockey, and they'll take them out somewhere stupid where they got to like hit these pucks off of things into other things outside somewhere in some stupid obstacle course, or do something like that to decide the golden boot. I don't know. We'd probably tune in when we. Um, I would. Any kind of content, I'm here for. Yeah. So West Ham just again proved their lack of massiveness, and Man United <laughs> were Man United. Um, I do have Absolutely one little fill in. One little thing I will say, you know, we, I feel like it's it's very easy for us to find opportunities to take a shot at Man United fans, but mm. the last one for the year, all right, or for the season, last pot shot at them for the season. Well clarified. Lots of May United fans this week laughing at Liverpool for not winning the league when their crosstown rival is lifting it instead. I'm not sure there's much to be happy about there. You know, I don't really get it. Uh, you guys do. You. You've always been a special bunch. You carry on that way, whatever.
1: Uh, it baffles me. Unless, you know, they're trying to diminish the achievement of City by being more upset with the fact that Liverpool didn't win it. In any, ha- in any case... They've suffered for so long now, Manchester United fans, that this is all that they can cling to. This is any kind of reward that they're going to receive this season. It's Um, that
0: their crosstown rivals won it instead of Liverpool.
1: mm, That Manchester is seriously blue. It's blue (laughs) as fuck. Four of the last five. How could it not be? Um, Um, But yeah, like you said, you do you, fans. You get it. Yeah. All
0: right, let's get to it. I know you are absolutely itching to talk about the relegation battle. I've been hoping for this all along. I've wanted Burnley down and out and gone and we can keep dirty leads up in the Prem. Uh, It panned (laughs) out that way, not without its drama.
1: No, the dirtiest team in Premier League history have survived, Sam. And I I knew it all along. I don't think I once tipped leads to go down. I was always (laughs) assured and confident in Jesse Marsh, Jesse, Jesse Marsh's leads marching on together. He, is a genius. That's what I'm supposed to say, right? Uh, I mean, you if, you. If, he, if he was Frank Lampard, that's what we'd be saying. We'd be saying that this guy's come in and taken a team that was in 16th and managed to make them 17th and <laughs> just kept us up on the last day. You know, the 94th minute win is really cool. In the end, it wasn't needed uh, because Burnley had their own implosion, which is brilliant. Uh, just may- mayhem, Mayhem, dude. Mayhem. From the moment that Joffe's goal was scrubbed out to, you know, the, the penalty, which was definitely a penalty, to Cano scoring and then getting himself sent off two minutes later. You just couldn't have a more ridiculous 90 minutes, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I didn't catch these games, obviously, because there was bigger stuff going on, but.
1: Um... Oh, bigger. <laughs> I did think that there was an inordinate amount of time spent on Manchester City winning the league rather than Leeds staying up away at Brentford. And the pitches there were way better. I don't know why you'd be watching them set up for a, a trophy celebration of it. Again, we've seen it before.
0: Another you-do-you you moment, I think, occurring there. But, uh, yeah, That's I think... my backup. I'm, I'm pretty happy to see the back of Burnley just given the way they've gone about it. They should have gotten rid of Daesh ages ago. People argue the other way and say they shouldn't have got rid of Dice because now, look, they've gone down. But I think they have a chance as a club to reset here and do something a bit more attractive than what they've been doing. Cool, they've mm-hmm. been surviving in the Premier League, but we've talked about this before. What's the point of just existing there? You, you, you know, Their main goal every year is to finish 17th. Um, and this year they finished 18th. So, eat shit. Uh, yeah. Norwich and Watford, long gone. Uh, happy to see the back of them. But you know what? We'll probably see them in two seasons' time when they yo yo back up.
1: Mm. Yeah, you can put your house on it. I wonder if there's any early markets going up because there is no doubt that Norwich are coming back up and Fulham are going down. It's the only way for these two sides. They must alternate between divisions in order for them to survive. Um, but I like, you know, I like what you said about Burnley getting cut out because they, they have just been doggy paddling, basically keeping their head above water for so long. And they had a good turnaround of results since sacking Dice. Cause we had, we had them cast out. We thought you and I thought they were relegated months ago. Yeah. And so they have done a good job and they brought in uh Vakehurst and stuff like that and ended up playing a little bit more of an expansive game and we're picking up results in places. Um, I'm not sad that they're gone, of course, but like you said, a good reset for them. Um, but, you know, apparently they're in a really big financial hole because of this relegation. And the reason, you know, we're saying oh, it's no good for a team just to sit 17th, 16th in the Premier League over and over and over. But what it does is it makes the revenues for the owners of the club and the investors. And apparently there was a clause in one of the loans of, to the tune of 65 million pounds that if they got relegated, they have to pay it immediately instead of in part in installments to the year 2025. And so right. they are in a lot of strife by the look of it.
0: Oh, well, and your club's better.
1: Everyone stops spending so much money on football players. Yep. that's what it comes down to. That's my Although We did just crown CFG champions again. <laughs> yeah, we did, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> no, I'm saying it's like the only way to compete. Like, it is.
0: Yeah, we know this. We know this. Is,
1: hmm. Mm. We we're mm. just
0: here to consume the sport itself, all right?
1: We yeah. are. No, we are. Of um, I don't and know. If... Go on. No, I was going to say, and for all the shit that we do, sling like the monetization of the EPL, like the big bucks really paid off in that city game in those six minutes. Um, that's like just the most insane thing you could possibly imagine to happen. And yeah, maybe yes. I was just thinking when I was looking back over, I was like, no. Nah, sometimes maybe we should just be quiet for a second and enjoy it. <laughs> just lap it up
0: <laughs> nah never um, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to cover in the Premier League at the moment we've got some stuff we're probably going to tackle next week because it'll be a quiet one next week will be our last episode for the season we'll cover the Champions League final and stuff but we could probably mm-hmm. do some some of a uh, you know some Premier League end of year stuff I think maybe can save that for next week
1: yeah, bestow some NSF awards. Uh, there was this one funny moment I heard at the Burnley game. There was a steward running around, apparently telling the, the fans in the stands that when the Leeds goal went in, it was actually Brentford that went 2-1 up. <laughs> so, <laughs> with little pockets of fans celebrating. <laughs> so cruel.
0: So cruel. The beauty of the final day. Yeah, it really is. Um, all right, we might wrap the Premier League there. Uh Shall we jump across and talk Serie A and Scudetto? Because Please, there are new... must be psyched. There's a new Italian champion. I'm so psyched about this. Uh, huge. Just absolutely huge. Milan, their first title since 2011, so not the biggest drought, but you know, for a club their size, they've been down, slumming it around in the Europa League. Uh, not in the Europa League because of financial fair play stuff, and then uh, coming back this season with a manager who had a reputation of uh, near misses in relegation and not getting the best out of his squads, uh, Stefano Pioli. And he's come in, turned this Milan side into title winners, and he's done it for a lot less a wage bill than their rivals Inter did it last season. Juve obviously winning the nine in a row before that. Um, yeah, Incredible. They beat Sassuolo 3 0 away. They only needed a draw, but they've wrapped it up in the first half. Olivier Giroud adds another title to his, uh, or adds another award and accolade to his
1: long, long resume. Mm, that, there are so many stories uh, that come out of this, you know, team itself and the the whole idea of Milan being the uh, Serie A winners again. Because, like, like you said, 10, 11 years, it's not that long a drought, but. It, for me, it really feels like a, a huge chasm of time because it, it just it represents how far off they've been from Juve and, uh, you know, Napoli and stuff like that in more recent years. Um, for them to come through real, like you said, do you think it's testament to the manager more than anything? Because when I think back of the last uh, Milan side that won, that had Ibra, funnily enough, still here, uh, you know, and legends like Clarence Seidorf, uh, Nesta, uh, uh, Pippo and Zagi, you know, stuff like that. And you think,
0: though, um, yeah, they weren't, uh, and Zaghi was maybe still there. Nesta and Sadoff, I don't think were at that point. On the, so, on the, oh, okay, 11, 2011, you had like, um, Kevin Prince Boatang, um, you had, uh, Robinho was a big part of that. Alessandra Pato, uh, oh, if anyone yes. remembers
1: him, Pato, yeah, that was Leon Ford, yeah.
0: You had, I believe, Perlo was still. Still kicking? Still at, yeah, still at Milan, I think. It's been a while. Um, I'm trying to think of the other. Oh, that's, they started. Who else was there? Just for age context and just how long it's been. Mm. um, They started the season with Ronaldinho that year. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There
1: you go. So, yeah. It has been a while. And that is a star-studded team when you think of it. Um, But when you look at this edition of title winners, perhaps not as notable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And is that down to the manager? or?
0: Yeah, so I I was talking about this with a Milan fan tonight. Uh, Pioli has to take so much credit because I still think this squad is fairly weak and there are a lot of holes in it. They don't really have a natural number 10. They have Brahim Diaz, who they got on loan from... Real Madrid, who was really good at the start of the season, kind of lost his way a bit and has been out of form, doesn't get the start. They've got a 25-year-old Croatian midfielder called Rade Krunic who plays as a 10 and is, you know, not the most special. Centre midfield's where they win it. Uh, Sandro mm-hmm. Tonali. Sandro Tonali is like this hybrid crossing of the absolute class of Andrea Pelo with
1: the absolute, like, fuckery of Gennaro Gattuso. <laughs> um, if you could, if you could combine yeah. two players more, that's probably what you would want. Hey, yeah, that's your absolute Frank- ideal Italian first division player, Frank Kessie who's
0: been—he's um, off to Barca, I think, for free. His contract's out, and he doesn't want a new one. Doesn't want to stay. They've got this winger Alexis Sellermakers, who I think is just a dud. <laughs> but you know, they all—they found a way <laughs> to gel, and I think the most important part of it is. When you look at this back line, they brought in Mike uh, Magnon,
1: the mm-hmm.
0: French goalkeeper from Lille, won the league with Lille last season, comes over to Milan to replace Donnarumma. <laughs> Donnarumma, eat that. Um, yeah. I, I know he won his league anyway, but like it's hollow, isn't it? Um, Mate,
1: hometown club, you miss such a chance here.
0: Yeah, Mignon comes in. Mignon, I don't really know how to say his name properly, but he comes in and he has Mignon. been... He has been absolutely immense. Um, you've also got in that back four, you've got Davide Calabria and Teo Hernandez as fullbacks. Um, Davide Calabria, not the most skillful player, ever, but a, a great leader. Uh, just, you know, a, what you expect from an Italian fullback, solid at the back, and then every now and again gets forward, chips in with a goal. But the big surprise is Pierre Kalulu, who I believe is 19, maybe 20, 21. Uh, partnered with Fakayo Tamore, who they got across from Chelsea wasn't getting any game time. They've partnered up at the back in the last half of the season due to injuries, and they've conceded two goals in eleven in the last eleven league games. Oh, damn! On a huge run towards the title, so that that's pretty much what's won it for them in the end. They've struggled up front for a striker all season to consistently score goals, and Olivia Giroud popped up with a double on the final day, so um, <laughs> huge, just a huge just effort. Just to get them over
1: the line, yeah. yeah. I read that they were um, undefeated since mid-January, so yeah, that does tie back into this crazy run where they haven't really been yeah. conceding goals. And Because you're right, the forwards do seem kind of dysfunctional, and that midfield combo of Tonali and uh, the returning Benessir as well, I think has been great the last few months. Um, did you see the stat about Olivia Giroud's breaking Milan's number nine curse? Yeah, he did double digits. First one since 2008, 2009, I believe, which was Pippo and Zagi. It'd be Pippo, yep. 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 I've read that out on here before. I just couldn't remember what year it was, but yeah, mm. Pippo and Zagi, 08, 09. So there you go. There you go. He did it. Fucking got over the line. That's great. He's going to go down in 20 years' time when like people stop talking about Jerome and you come across his highlights real in like, his career accolades. They're seriously going to think he yeah. was the greatest one to ever do it. <laughs> he may be actually in future times looked across by some algorithm and determined that, yeah, Olivier Giroud was actually the best footballers ever live. Yeah, definitely. The goat, the greatest. Yeah. I'm going to give it to him now. Build a statue. Um, yeah, do it. at So many different clubs.
0: That wraps, you know, um, into hold on for a second there. They, were, they kind of finished, Milan into broke away in the end from Napoli, and Juve end up fourth this season. So I think given their circumstances, they'll probably just have to settle for that because they weren't better than Napoli into or Milan this season, Juve. No, um, no, they down weren't. the bottom end, though, uh, remember earlier this season, we were pretty up and about for Venezia, mm-hmm. the side from Venice, and they're, mm. they're, they're wonderful kits, uh, but they have finished dead bottom, sadly. <sighs> Uh, they go down with Genoa and Cagliari.
1: It's a sad day for football fashion more than anything.
0: Yeah, it is. They'll be down with Serie B.
1: Do, can they still release like 10 different kits so that we can all buy them or uh yeah, I guess so. Please. You I'm gonna be sending them. I'm gonna send emails tomorrow. Send I'll use a, the send them an email. I'll use the night shift football handle because it'll it'll give it'll have more weight. It'll okay. influence them more. All right. Do
0: that. That's all I got. That's all I got for Italy. So, uh, yeah, cool. Do you want to do? I right. guess. I guess we'll we'll just finish off with uh, some of the European action. But UEFA Europa League final was last week. Uh, f- a huge game for both of these clubs. Um, when you consider that, you know, obviously the Champions League is for the big boys. No one real, none of these clubs realistically have a shot of winning that trophy, outside of you know the big ones that we always see. So Europa League is huge for clubs like this. Um, a great chance for both of them to lift a massive piece of silverware. There can only be one winner though, and it was Frankfurt getting it on penalties in the end after Aaron Ramsey missed his missed his spot kick.
1: Did you yeah. catch any of this final? I did. I saw the highlights of this one. Um, I'll, I I totally agree. The Europa League is a massive trophy, and it does give just so much optimism and hope for mid table to upper mid table. I think. Uh, yeah.
0: Sorry, I'll just cut there. I think it is a massive trophy, depending on who it is that's. Yeah, you know, makes it to the the pointy end.
1: It's probably it's better because it was Frankfurt versus Rangers, and it wasn't like Barcelona yeah. versus Napoli. Because yep. you would think they're teams that don't take it as seriously, whereas this was two teams who maybe won't see their clubs in European finals again for like another twenty years. Like it just, yeah. And you felt that in the stadium, and the fans were just so great. It's it was great to have two massive clubs as well with great fan bases because it just added to the occasion um, and the tense nature of it. And it was just, yeah, it threatened to boil over the whole time. What did you like about it?
0: Uh, I just thought um, I th- thought it was a relatively positive approach from both sides but I guess mm, the goal keeps the
1: shots. Uh,
0: the Rangers goal came from a Frankfurt mistake and then rebo tucked it away nicely and then um, you know Frankfurt found their way back in the game but then I thought even in extra time there was lots of both sides were still trying to really open it up Rangers probably looked the better of the side in extra time. They had that chance right near the end. Where I still can't believe Trap oh, saved. Oh yeah, and I'm yeah, sure it's, yeah, it's probably giving Rangers fans sleepless, sleepless nights. But Ryan Kent was, I think it was Ryan Kent, was about to like just thump the ball home from close range, and somehow Trap got across. Um, Kent people people always say in situations like that, oh he should score, but he hasn't done anything wrong. Like the keeper,
1: it's,
0: it's just miracle stuff.
1: Yeah, it's a fucking massive effort from the goalkeeper, and th- those are the moments where you just think, oh my god. It's just another millimeter, yeah. another a half a second. Like on any other day, it probably, it doesn't eventuate like that, but no, he does muster yeah. such a, a huge match-winning save. And um, then, um, yeah. I think if, for me, that's the bigger moment than what you're about to jump to.
0: Yeah, well, I was just going to jump to the penalty shootout and I was just going to point out the, the absolute quality of the penalties from both yeah. sides. It, Largely. You know, hey. Barring the one obvious one, the Aaron Ramsey penalty, but yeah. uh, mostly, you know, but blokes smashing it in off the inside of the post <laughs> or the underside of the bar. It was, it was impressive.
1: Have seen some high quality penalty shootouts um, in the finals this year, like in England and in some of the other some of the other cup finals littered around the around the world. Maybe we're just getting better at penalties. Um, maybe the goalkeepers aren't detailing enough notes on their water bottles. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> we do have to
0: talk about the Ramsey one though in a wider context because. Um, Please, you know, I, I'm i not doing this just because of our Rangers listeners, but it, it has to I, be um... said, it has to be said, <laughs> this has been a disaster signing. And I've spoken to plenty of Rangers fans who have admitted that that's, um, this guy has come in from, I would say he was a world-class player at Arsenal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He was phenomenal. And I think it gets it's kind of understated just how good he was for Arsenal and how far he was able to carry that team on his own. Um, a bunch of FA Cups, people will laugh at say FA Cups, but you know, with the squad they had for him to carry them to them. Um,
1: the Europa League of England.
0: And then and then he ditches off to Juve and they don't use him, and he kind of goes out of form, gets a bit quiet. So Um, Rangers fork out to get him on loan and pay him a good chunk of money per game and he's he's barely played he's been unfit he can't get a full game in and then he comes on in the final and misses the penalty in probably the biggest game in the clubs you know last 20 years since the UEFA Cup final against Zenit so uh, yeah just a a disaster signing that uh, you know I'm not
1: I'm not upset about it. <laughs> but well, not. But this, think, is, this is that kind yeah. of thing where you might not see Ramsey play for Rangers again. <laughs> well, he was only on loan. So, yeah. yeah. Well, they're definitely not going to sign him, are they? I wouldn't have thought at this rate. <laughs> you just, uh, yeah, you really wonder moment. if there's
0: still a player in there that could, could he get another preseason in and, you know, get it back and going again? Or is he in the Christian
1: Bale obscurity now? Yeah, potentially. <laughs> um, is it is, is it just a Welsh thing? Is that what we're drawing the line under? It could be. It goes golf, Wales, uh, Rangers or something like that. I don't Rangers know. losing in a cup final. Uh, yeah. Ellis James, good good journalist for Guardian and you hear him in all sorts of shit. He tweeted about, well, I don't know, 80, 70 minutes in the game before he came on. Uh, this game is set up for Ramsey to make a huge impact and a huge impact he did. He did have an impact, yeah.
0: We should also note uh, our boy Australian Aiden Hustich scored his penalty for Frankfurt after coming on as well. So
1: he did. Good on, good on him. Good on him. It was cool to see him draped in a Australian flag, celebrating around the stadium with the fans, doing post-match interviews with Stan and stuff like. That's cool. Like we haven't had an Aussie win a major European trophy since what Harry Kew maybe, or if you want to count Schwarzer sitting on the bench for Chelsea, Schwarzer or Kalach. Yeah. Yeah, Kalach as well. Um, so see that's the that's, that's good to well. see. That's good um, to see. There was a, there was yeah. a little bit of chatter about does Harisic get the uh, accolades that he should from Australian fans, the Australian press, and stuff like that. And do you think it's you know intertwined with the fact that he plays in Germany and doesn't play in England?
0: <laughs> no, I think it's about right. He he is a good player and he has his moments. He's not. I don't think he's a he's not a walk up starter for Frankfurt either you know, okay. yeah. he is kind That's of a, a bench point. player. He has had his moments in the season where he's, he's played a good squad role where he does come on and can have an impact, but he's still not, you know, locked in a start there week in, week out, you know, first name on the team sheets type thing. So I think mm. it's about right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, fair. That's well, what also I was also
0: like. really yet to see him, you know, really kind of take a game by the balls for the soccerers as well.
1: So, Interesting. Has provided some big moments, though. Yeah. I will say. Yeah.
0: I, I think we I think we could, and I think we will see more
1: of him in that sense. Yeah. Well, he's going to be playing in the Champions League now, isn't he? So it's good for a, a side that finished 11th in the Bundesliga. Yeah. Good on him.
0: Um, <laughs> we'll just finish up quickly. I'll just
1: jump through. The, the
0: Conference League final is this week. It's Roma versus Feyenoord. We don't need to go into it, but... Uh Mourinho has the chance to have you know lift lift all three of these. Uh good on him, I guess. I think like Roma should probably beat Feyenoord, but who knows? And then obviously the big one Sunday morning. Uh I don't know if you have any final comments to leave us with on Liverpool and Real Madrid.
1: It is going to be huge. And uh I've got no, I've got no prediction, no nothing. I'm just Entirely looking forward to hopefully what is our open expansive game. Um, I feel like Madrid may sit back and let Liverpool try and work their magic, stifle them a little bit, but eh, in saying that, you know, Liverpool can't go through a week of disappointment like they have. <laughs> so there could be some very upset scousers by the end of the weekend.
0: Yeah. I have no idea. I don't want to do a prediction either. I, this is a, I'll use that phrase again. It's a flip of the coin.
1: Flip of the I honestly, coin. I honestly don't
0: know.
1: It, it favours Liverpool a little bit more, but I wouldn't give it to them entirely, I think.
0: Either way, I think it's going to be cracker alarm set for that one. Uh,
1: you got anything else you wanted to finish on before we go? Just one gripe over the past week. Um, Do it. and I never, I never thought I would be this kind of wowser rather because I love the idea of the pitch invasion. And there's been a few times where I've suggested we should invade the pitch. Um, I've always looked at the Socceroos qualifying for the 2005 World Cup and then not being a pitch invasion. I thought, fuck, if there was ever a moment, it was needed then. Um, But fuck me, haven't we seen a few of them in England over the last week? (laughs) Um, Coinciding with a couple of players getting soldered on the field. Yeah. Uh,
0: Dickhead's ruining things, hey. Like... It's what it is. Nanny uh, State is there for when, a reason. When people run out there, surely, well, they don't because they're idiots. But I personally am a big fan of seeing a good pitch invasion. But, like, why would you feel the need to harass players from another team, especially if it's something like, like the Everton one?
1: Yeah, for finishing
0: 16th <laughs> and harassing guys from a team that finished above you.
1: Yeah. What the hell is that? Man? I
0: don't get it at all. Um uh, was it it was Palace, wasn't it? Yeah. And Patrick Vieira. I was like, well, I don't understand that at all.
1: Um Vieira captained an invincible Premier League side.
0: But people you're giving
1: want, you're giving him shit.
0: <laughs> yeah. People want pitch invasions. Then don't run out there and assault players or it's, Anything it's because just, now just they, all they're so going to do they'll just turn around and say right no more pitch invasions and then mm-hmm. people will still do it and clubs will lose points and yep. you know it could cost a team going down if you have a pitch invasion after celebrating your, your staying up and then you lose <laughs> points and go down imagine <laughs> it um, but you know yeah but
1: that would be rough they're talking about putting fences back up which would just it kills the no, atmosphere of the games and stuff like don't do the fences just. You know,
0: make the the punishment clear. Supporters will stop jumping fences if it's going to cost them points, but hopefully it doesn't get to that. And hopefully people just don't go near opposition players. You don't need to be rubbing it into anyone Just celebrate with your players. Mm. It's it's a ridiculous thing to do. um, Especially, like I said, in that Everton situation, ridiculous. And the one on, uh, was it Billy Sharp last week for Sheffield? Just yeah. Absolutely sickening. What the hell is going on with these Nuts YOBOs, him. man? I sound like guy, such an old person now, but I know so, we're so. sounding
1: like boomers, man. That's um that guy's in jail now. He's Good. already behind bars, yeah. Good, brilliant. Which it kind of makes the city one even more ridiculous. Why that like the guy that ran on the field knew that he could potentially go to jail for this and slaps Robert Olson in the face. Like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Yeah.
0: But like, why are you why are you running out there like to do that even if you wanted to rub it into someone like what if aston villa give a shit if you've exactly. won the league
1: they're like, like what, in, what inconsequential
0: do? they're just they playing you need opposition to play against what you... <laughs> fuck me people are stupid and i hate them fucking yeah. humans, Get rid of humans. That's,
1: that's why i was really impressed with the traveling leads fans that stayed in their seat at brentford and um Instead, the players decided to invade the stands, which much better idea, I think. Much better idea. Uh, much better, yeah. Much better. Let the fans come to you. Uh, the
0: players come to you. Uh, they yeah. did it. Uh, it happened in uh, Sassuolo as well on the weekend when Milan won. Oh, cool! That was, it was very uh, completely different to what we've seen in England. There's no no one was looking to rub it in anyone's face. It was just like jubilant and uh, yeah. Just trying to run up and just like pat the shoulders of a of a Milan player or shake Pioli's hand and stuff like that. It was uh it was great scenes. Very well
1: done. That's what you that's what you should be doing. Not running on there to like get a selfie either. Like get get your fucking phone out of that guy's face. Go and tell him what you've just done and how much it means to you, basically.
0: Definitely. There you go. That's episode 67. We'll come back next week for 68 to wrap up the season. There will be a 67.1, so look out for that. We'll talk about Adelaide's season finally coming to a uh, an end. That it, it lasted longer than I thought, but yeah, listen to 67.1. We'll cover that Adelaide's United, Melbourne City semi-final. Apart from that, keep getting around the socials. Uh, get in touch with us if you enjoy it.
1: And uh,
0: yeah, enjoy your week. Ciao. Yeah.
1: Enjoy.